and welcome to episode 66 of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast, brought to you by the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swalbrick, and with me this afternoon, I have Ian Willis, who's the head of personal lines at the club's insurance scheme provider, CKI, better known to most of us as Chris Knott Insurance. Good afternoon, Ian. Hiya, Guy. How are you doing? It's a little bit of an unusual podcast for us because normally the people that we talk to are, you know, club members or uh, are involved in the club through the cars in some kind of way. But we've done a few podcasts with some of our important partners before, and and we've talked to to one of your team, Ashley, a few months ago, who is a, an Alpha owner. But I thought it'd be useful just for the members to understand a little bit about the relationship that CKI has with the owners' club and and a little bit about the history of that relationship. Yeah, sure. So Chris, not the person who's obviously the founder of the business, and that stems back to 1983. And then very shortly after that, Chris established um, a relationship with the Alpha Owners Club, recognising the members as a good profile of drivers, really, from an insurance perspective, because they, they're enthusiasts, they look after their cars, they take an interest. Some may tinker under the bonnet, but generally they're they're well maintained and looked after and so you know we recognize that as as a good strong profile for for an insurer so the relationship stems back nearly 40 years now and it's always been a very strong relationship we've worked quite closely with the club haven't done so many events over the last couple of years for for obvious reasons but yeah we we plan to get back under the way you know doing a few more events over the next 12 months and and foreseeable really so so yeah stems back to the 80s really and in terms of the kind of quid pro quo obviously we promote you as an insurer and then obviously you support events and things but there's a there's a financial benefit for the club as well isn't there yes absolutely so for every policy sold uh, to a club member the alpha club uh, get a, a kickback of the commission so yeah i think that's generated quarterly and paid directly to the club and that's across all lines of business as well so it's not just your alpha that's insured with us it could be your home insurance you know breakdown products a whole range of of um, insurance products and uh, just just so that members understand i mean we're, we're a, a non-profit making organization obviously but that money goes towards keeping our membership fees as low as they are and, and have been for some time now so it, it's a it's a big benefit for for club members one of the questions that I'm often asked about insurance, and I'm, I'm sure you get this as well. My background, I, I actually worked for Lloyds of London for a couple of years. So I do have some uh, kind of background in the industry. Everybody gets really excited about you know direct insurers and comparison sites. And I, I think people have kind of lost sight of what a broker's role is in the, the whole process. So just sum up why a, a broker is different to those other ways of buying insurance. Yeah, sure. So... But there's a few different categories of, of people when you're when you're shopping for insurance. There's the purely price driven, which is you know understandable. Certainly with the the way everything is at the moment, money is a massive factor. So a lot of those types of clients will be driven just to online. Oh look, you know, Admiral are quoting 150 pound. That's fine. That'll do. Others like to have a bit more of a personal service. Have someone finding a range of products that might be suitable for them and presenting them to them. And that's one of the benefits of coming to a broker. We we have more of a conversation with our clients rather than a heavily scripted question set. We we have we don't have a script. We just have a conversation and and build up a an understanding of the client, what their needs are, 
and then we will go and source uh, you, know, you know two or three products and present them to them along with the price in term in terms of price we are still competitive even though we've got some cheap rates on the comparison sites which are hard to t- compete with and again if you pick up the phone to us i don't think you'll be waiting I don't want to put a, a precise time, but <laughs> we'd be we'd be tested. But I, you wouldn't be waiting any longer than five to ten minutes, you know. And if you ring a big insurance company or go um, go online, you might not even be able to speak to someone. You might have to do all the transmissions yourself. So if you did a change of vehicle, you'd be processing yourself that online. Whereas you call us, we'll do that for you. We'll administer the policy for you. So you get a bit more of a personal service. So to a certain extent, you you are doing a, a kind of more focused version of what a comparison site does, because you're not just going for the same uh, insurance company every time you, you're comparing prices. Exactly for that. The, yeah. the level of offer that the customer wants. Yeah, totally. We, we unlike the comparison sites who have hundreds of contracts um, ranging from very basic comprehensive policies to you know fully comprehensive policies, we have a panel of insurers that we've had long-standing relationships with that have got tried and tested policies that are brand names you know household recognized names rather than just i don't know there's some there's some weird ones out there now that are just like names <laughs> and you think well who are they <laughs> what cover do you get that's the question uh, people should be asking what level of cover am i getting am, am i going to get the service i'm i'm expecting um and things like that can i pick up the phone and get through to people what are their admin fees that's another thing that we pride ourselves on our, our admin fees are extremely low in compared to the rest of the market so there's yeah several benefits to picking up the phone and having a conversation with us I guess most people, if things are going well, will have very they'll have one conversation with you and then accept the renewal letter every year. And 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 the reason insurance works is that most of them won't make a claim. But what's the process when there is a claim to be made? Okay, so we've got we work along with a, a insurance uh, a, a partner that deals with our claims for us. So you ring up our free phone number, and even if it's outside of office hours, there's an option. I think it's option one that will take you straight through to the claims management team that are twenty four hour three six five. They will do some initial questions, find out whether it's fault or non fault um, from the basic information they've got, and then they will route the call accordingly. So you'll either deal with our legal team or you will deal with the insurer or you have the option you you can choose if you you know prefer to go direct to the insurer that's an option as well okay i I said if everything goes well you'll just accept the renewal um what what should you do if you get a renewal and you think that seems a bit steep well we always advise that people shop around that's in our renewal letter every year you know we always suggest that people have a look and compare but we always ask that clients will give us a call back and give us an opportunity because what we do when we review a renewal about 21 days before the renewal date, we will always search the panel of insurers that we've got to make sure that we're still offering the most competitive and the most suitable. And if a client does get a cheaper quote elsewhere, give us a call as long as we can have a look at the quote that they've got and it's on a like for like basis, we can then go to whoever their insurer is in question and, and negotiate and try and match or beat that price for for them. And nine times out of 10, we will do that. It's only a, a, hand, a handful of occasions where we won't be able to do that because it's a, a very cheap quote, for example. Yeah. So you said that it depends on the quote, whether you're able to, to renegotiate it. What does actually affect the price of an insurance quote? Because, you know, sometimes the prices you get quoted for for two cars that 
on paper seem similar, even though they're you know they're similar performance, similar type of car might be very different, or two people's quotes for the same car might be very different. What are the factors that determine how much you pay? Okay, so age age is definitely a factor. Where you live, your postcode area specifically, because that will be based on insurance data on how many claims have been in, uh, it happened in that area, how many thefts, that sort of thing. And then particular types of vehicles, for example, a, a BMW X5, they, they went through a phase of uh, being stolen quite frequently. So because they were a targeted vehicle, it made it very difficult for, for us in particular to cover those vehicles. Uh, other factors would be where it's parked overnight, total mileage. So if you, if I mean, average mileage is probably 10 to 12,000 if you're commuting to and from work. If you've got an element of business use as well, and that pushes it up a bit, obviously your exposure to the roads is greater and therefore the risk of you being involved in a claim is, is greater. So that's another factor. Claims experience. So if you've had several full incidents, then obviously you're going to be deemed as a, uh, a higher risk driver. Uh, and the same if you're a repeat offender with with speeding convictions, for example, then that's going to go against you. Um, there's a whole raft of factors. I mean, pretty much every question we ask will will help generate that quote. And you talked about um, the number of claims you've made. No claims bonus has always been a bit of a, a mystery to me. A, the fact that you can have more than one and B, determining, you know, how you get to the maximum, what the maximum is. So how does that all work? No claims bonus has always been my bugbear in this industry. Having worked in it for over 20 years, I always find it difficult that each insurer will have, you know, some will maximum is nine, some say nine plus, some go to 22 or, or beyond. And that's quite difficult to explain to a customer that maybe came to us with 10 years, they've been with us for a year, and but their renewal might only show nine years plus. And you can understand that they feel like they're they're losing out in in some respect. But once you get to maximum no claims bonus, as, as it's referred to, which is probably anything over five years and up, you you can protect your no claims. Protected no claims allows you to have again. This varies with each insurer, but for example, one in one provider, Highway, who are part of Liverpool Victoria, they will allow you to have two claims in a five-year period where it won't affect your no claims discount if you've got right. the protection. So if you've got the protection, it, that doesn't mean that your premium's not going to go up because you've had a claim. That still goes up, but it would be a double whammy, if you like, if you if you didn't have the protected. We can protect bonus after you've got four years uh, and up. So, um, you know, some of five, some of, some even do as low as three, but right. yeah, we'll have at least four with ourselves. The other thing you touched on with, with the two cars, you, you earn no claims bonus on each individual policy. So if you, if you came to us with your car and you've got nine years bonus, we could ensure that then six months down the line, you decide you, you want a, a weekend car or a classic uh, or not a classic, sorry, a weekend car, say a second vehicle, you would build up a second set of no claims bonus. So effectively, with the second car, you start from zero again and, and work your way up. But having said that, we would factor in that you've got nine years bonus on your main car, and we would incorporate a discount in the workings of our quotation to reflect that. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to classics in a minute. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> a couple of other things to pick up on. Um, you talked about license endorsements. Um, presumably, the the uh, the rule there is to tell you as soon as you know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, it may not impact the premium until the next renewal, 
because you've paid, you know, but, but the best thing to do is notify us straight away. All we'd need is the conviction date, the code and any points, and then we we can update your insurer accordingly. Yeah. And then the, the, there's the... The area, I think, particularly for younger drivers, but but not exclusively of, of modifications. And I guess there's two reasons why you would want to tell your insurer about modifications. One is it might affect the premium in terms of the effect on the vehicle. But I guess the other one is if you've done an expensive modification and not told them, you're not going to get paid for that to be repaired. Absolutely. There's a few different views that an insurer will take for, for non-disclosure. Um, the, the harshest is they will just refuse to to pay for the claim. They'll just void the policy and then you're lumbered with not only the cost of your damage, but the third party as well. Um, the other option would be the insurer will look at it and say, okay, you, you've paid X, you should have paid Y, Let's, you need to pay the difference before we will, you know, but we'll carry on with the claim. So that's that's the more straightforward view, if you like. But yeah, absolutely. The best thing to do is just let us know. I think people have a fear that it's modified or not. You know, I don't want to tell them because it's going to go. It doesn't always go up. Um, but like you say, if it's, if, you know, if someone's spent £10,000 on a set of alloys, you're going to want those covered. You're not just going to want a standard manufacturer's set back. So yeah, yeah, always let us know. And there are some some of the cosmetic modifications there's no charge for. So, you know, it's easy just to pick up the phone and be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, the other thing that I've heard varying stories about is is engine mapping, where I think some, some insurers have a, a kind of percentage increase beyond which they don't really, or below which they don't really care and beyond that they will charge an extra and you know even further than that they won't insure at all so is that another situation where it just depends who the insurer is where those thresholds are yes absolutely they, they all vary we've got some that will just allow us to to load it based on a percentage like you suggested others when it gets to a point where it's a hundred brake horsepower increase or more then we would need to speak to the underwriter at the insurers and say this is the situation they normally look at what sort of experience they've had previously. If that ties in and it's just a step up, it's not normally an issue. And it, you know, it's just a percentage loading again. But yeah, there are other insurers that will up to a certain amount is fine. And it's just a case of notification at that point, just letting us know. And, and, and again, something that seems to vary a lot. And there's a lot of old wives' tales, I guess, or uh, assumptions from people is the point at which your premiums start to reduce with age. Um, so obviously, if you're if you're 17, any policy is going to be cripplingly expensive. Yeah. But there's kind of a perception that there's a reduction at 25 and maybe another one at 30. What's what's the reality in terms of how your premiums are likely to go down over time? I, I would definitely agree with that. I would say even at 23, you'd start to notice a, a bit of a difference because you've had a, you know a, a good few years of experience driving. Then you would have built up some no claims bonus. So at that point, you should start to notice a real difference. But yeah, the, the key uh, starting point really is 25, because at that point, you lose any young or inexperienced excess that might apply to the policy, because again, that sometimes gets overlooked. You'll, you'll have your compulsory and, and any voluntary that you've selected. But also, if you're under 25, there may be a young and inexperienced driver excess that would apply. Um, yeah. But yeah, certainly 25, would, you would, would definitely start to see some premiums that are more favourable. <laughs> and the other area which i suspect isn't an issue for most of our members because most of our members will be fully comp um, the, the other thing i've never really understood and maybe you can enlighten me is the way third party insurance is is calculated i remember when i was younger um, and went in for an insurance quote and there was a guy next to me in a, a 
an old-fashioned broker's office quoting for a, a different car but with very similar performance and, and vastly different quotes for third party. And the, the justification given was that the parts for my car, being an Alpha, were more expensive than his Ford. So leaving aside whether that's actually true, um, if it's third-party insurance, you wouldn't be buying parts for my car anyway. So is it just because it's actually fully comp discounted down? Is that why it seems to be inequitable? To be honest, these days, I mean, we don't, we hardly do any third-party policies these days. We've probably got less than 10 on, on the books completely, if I'm honest. There doesn't seem to be so much of a gap in premium these days between third party and fully comp, whereas when I first started driving, there would be, you know, you yeah. could save a good few hundred pounds. So it doesn't seem to be that much of a gap anymore. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I, I maybe not, I might need to come back to you on that and speak to the underwriters. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can understand why a third party on a Ferrari would be more expensive than it is on a Mini, because yeah. you'd be perceived to be more likely to have an accident. Um, but for like-for-like like performance and value, you would have thought it should be the same. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think there's insurers will only insure... Uh, cars under a certain value on third party as well. There might be a cutoff for that. Right. Certainly, if I, I think you'd struggle to get third party fire and theft on a Ferrari. <laughs> you never, you never yeah. know. <laughs> Indeed. So let, let's come back to the the subject of of classics because that's another thing where you know there are there are classic policies, there are specialist classic insurers. What's the CKI view on on what is a classic and and how that affects your premiums? Yeah, I think again, there's always an assumption that your car's over 20 years that it's deemed a classic. Well, if you think of a a mass produced vehicle like a Mondeo, for example, just because that's 20 years old, it doesn't make it a classic for obvious reasons. There are various different views on it. I mean, there's a BMW Z4, for example, they, they're classed as future classics. So even though they were less than 15 years old, you could get a classic car policy for those. So again, it is very vehicle specific on, in that respect. So we can ensure we can get a vehicle on a classic as long as all the rest of the criteria fits for anything up uh, from sort of 15 years onwards. Right. But it has to be on the on the list of cars that that insurer considers to be a classic. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and is there a process for getting them to review that list and... So I, I have a 15-year-old Alpha Spider, yeah, um, which is just insured on a normal policy at the moment. Yeah, I don't know whether that would be on the list or not, but if it if it wasn't, what would be the process to, to get it added? So we've got another option. So if it doesn't tick all the boxes for a, a pure classic car policy, with our the scheme that we've got with Highway, part of Liverpool, Victoria, we can get it on an agreed value if that's the main thing that you're looking for. So mileage wouldn't be an issue so even if you're using it on a, a daily basis that's fine they the only thing they do ask is that it's either garaged overnight or covered on the drive right just so that you're taking that extra precaution but yeah in terms of getting it added to the classic list as you like as you suggest i think the underwriters would do that as a matter of course they would be reviewing vehicle models all the time and, and adding them to those lists i know there was some discussion a few years ago about the 916 gtv and spider which were the right age and uh, I think considered to be classics by you know classic car magazines and things but weren't on most of the insurers classic car lists I, th I think that's changed yeah um but 
it does seem to be a little bit inconsistent about when they when they make that transition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because we run we run from some through, and they you know vehicles that are manufactured in the nineties, and we we still don't get classics come up. And you look at it, but they're not. I mean, that's the other thing. Just because the computer says no, we can yeah. pick up the phone and speak to the underwriters and say, look, come on, guys, this is a nineteen ninety six Alpha. This is classic all day long. Can can we put it on your scheme? And again, you know, we will get it on there. But it, as I say, worst case scenario, if we can't get it on the classic, we have got another option on an everyday policy with some extensions. Okay. So uh, and I know one of the things that I've noticed over the over the years is I think with the focus on on the telephone with with CKI, um, the website wasn't always the the easiest thing to use. Um, I, I think there's been some changes there, though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we've uh, we've had a marketing consultant that's come in and given us a full audit and overhaul, and she's done a great job. She's helped us out with a lot of the marketing material that we produce for the club. But yeah, as you pointed out, the website now is a lot more user friendly. Um, it's got a lot of useful news articles, you know, topics of interest to our members. And you've got the, the quote and buy facility for certain products such as breakdown and gap. Um, but yeah, it's a lot more user friendly. You can also click on there now and, and receive a callback uh, from us. So rather than have to pick up the phone, you put in some basic details, we get an email and we'll call you at a time that's suitable for you. So, And I, I still think of, of websites and PCs going together, but I know a lot of our uh, younger members are, are much more likely to look on the phone. Has that improved as well? Yes, absolutely. With the new website, it's now mobile friendly. So it's, you. yeah, you could be on a tablet, on a tiny little phone and it's just as as slick as the website so that's good you talked earlier on about household policies and and other things and and how the the club benefits from members taking those out is is there a good reason why a member should go to you for other parts of of their insurance portfolio and 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 i know a lot of our members are you know are, are running businesses and stuff as well so what's the the kind of full scope of the products that you you have yep so we've i head up the personal lines team so i look after motor and home basically um, and that's sales and uh, renewals and new business that we've got um, adam taylor who heads up our commercial team he, he looks after shops offices we can do unoccupied properties, holiday homes, second homes. We've recently taken on some schemes for uh, more specific things like allotment insurance, canine insurance, uh, imaging schemes. So that's for photographers and things like that. So, yeah, we I mean, we pretty much cover most. We do a range of liability cover, public, uh, professional indemnity and uh, employees liability. So, yeah, and combined insurance. So small shops, offices, pretty much everything so yeah worth giving us a call for um if you're um, looking for commercial insurance as well absolutely brilliant one of the things that i not something that applies to me um but i know some people have much bigger car collections and by the time you've added together all the premiums that can get really expensive i think there's a, a new product in that area yeah absolutely we've got a, a couple of options in that on that front more for the collector's cars. So if you've got a couple of classics, uh, an everyday car, a modified car, you might have a whole range of vehicles. We can put them all onto one policy with one particular insurer. And again, if, if at the moment you've got them scattered over the year, various different renewal dates, we can pro rata those. So we bring them all into 
to one policy with one single renewal date for you know for those customers that, that that require that. And is there a is there a top and bottom to that range? So you talked about two two classics and an everyday is three the the baseline. Or- no, in terms of the I mean, baseline, I mean, yeah, what, I one would be yeah. too little, obviously. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'd say definitely two two upwards, without a yeah. doubt. I don't think we've reached the the top limit actually. I've got we've got one guy that we've just done seven vehicles with, and that wasn't too many. So I, I guess maybe it gets to ten and something like that. Maybe that would be uh, the the upper limit. Brilliant. And the other thing about Alpha's kind of strategy over the last year and even more so in the next couple of years from what we can tell is that there've been some some quite high value specialist cars like the the GTAM that came out last year yeah. is it possible to insure those kind of cars with you yes we funnily enough we quoted uh, two alpha GTAMs in the last 12 months one of which we've we've now got on the books and that's on a really pristine uh, comprehensive policy. So you, I mean, it says in the wording that you get a like for like policy, a like for like courtesy car. I, I don't know if, you, if it would be specifically an Alpha GTR. That is going to be a challenge. <laughs> but you would get a vehicle that, you know, you wouldn't get a Nissan Micra, for example. Right. right. <laughs> you get comprehensive driving other cars. Family members can also drive your vehicle without being named on the policy. There's there's a huge amount of benefits to those types of policies. So yeah, we we absolutely can cover those. That sounds a, a great policy for a GTAM. Yeah. Also sounds like a good policy for uh, for somewhat lesser cars. So is that a policy that you can have on? Presumably, it's slightly more expensive. But is that a policy you can have on more ordinary classic and performance cars i think the vehicle value limit is is fifty thousand. yeah it has to be at least fifty thousand, and then we can look at that absolutely but like you say you it is you you get what you pay for with that one so you do pay a little bit more money yeah yeah. but certainly if you're spending 160,000 on a car you don't mind spending a couple of no no and there'll still be some 8c owners and people who've got cars that are in their bracket even though they're a few years older yeah absolutely Brilliant. Well, I know what to do when I can afford to buy a car like that. Then, <laughs> yeah, give me a ring. <laughs> and I've been to, I, I think the rumor for the um, for the mid-engined six-cylinder car that's coming out next year is a is a three hundred thousand euro price ticket. So we'll, wow. we'll see. We'll see if it stretches quite that far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd like to see a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is fantastic. A really good introduction to how insurance works and and the club's relationship with CKI. So uh, thanks very much for your time. Good. No problem. Thanks, guy. Thank you. That's all for this week. We'll be back in two weeks' time on Sunday the 6th of November. Episode 67 will be available to download from 1.30pm from iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube and everywhere else good podcasts are found. Until then, stay safe. (laughs) 